welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja Podcast. This is your host, Allison Graham, and today's guest is Bobby Carlton. We are going to be talking about our illustrious career as the founder of Carlton PR and Marketing, Innovation Nights and Innovation Women, and she's been recognized as one of the top 10 Bostonians who have done the most for the startup community. So for those of you who are entrepreneurs out there who are listening, I know you're going to love hearing from her, uh, the mentors, but one of the big topics that we are going to be talking about is the gender gap, specifically in my industry as a speaker, as a professional speaker. And so we'll be diving into that. And if this inspires you to get out there and be known as an innovation women, uh, part of the innovation women group, then I've got a special offer for you at the end. Compliments of Bobby. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, I, I, I joked before we were on air that I've seen your name in my inbox more than I've seen anybody else's name because you're so consistent with your email and your communication with innovation women, which is what I'm, uh, how we met. Yep. And actually every week, a lot of people don't realize this, but we send out two innovation women newsletters. There's one that goes out directly to our speakers and one that goes out to our event managers. And the speaker one actually has a listing about a hundred different opportunities that women can apply for every single week. Which is incredible. And I I have to say, so I read your intro part and I didn't get, I guess I didn't master the fact that all of those gigs were possibilities until <laughs> like maybe a month ago. Oh, I didn't join that long ago. I've been watching you a long time. And then I'm like, I got to be a part of this group. And I joined. And uh, I was like, wow, there's a lot of resources I wonder how much work they put into putting that together. It's incredible. Yeah, we, uh, well, you know, thank you, Patricia. Patricia, who uh, spends a lot of her time collecting those. And we also have a lot of event managers who are on the platform who send us their calls for speakers and, and their requests. Okay. So that, and it all comes together. So I'm going to encourage people to be a part of this. Before we dive into this conversation, it just, it gives the listeners a sense of what is Innovation Women? Sure. So Innovation Women is an online self-service, we call it visibility bureau. The goal is to get women more visible and that supports career growth and business success. We connect women with event managers who are looking for speakers, as well as women with journalists who are looking for expert sources. And then this is kind of a, a, a thing that most people don't think about. We promote what they do. You got a book, we're promoting it. You got a, a new speaking engagement, we're promoting it. You got a speaking engagement through us, awesome, we're promoting that. But the goal here is to really get women more visible so that they become the agreed upon experts and leaders, uh, particularly thought leaders in their industry. Wonderful. So if, for people who are thinking they want to be a part of that, stay tuned for the end of the podcast. I'm going to give you a code because it's a very modest, by the way, uh, membership fee for the annual membership. I think you've made it very affordable. And uh, Bobby has actually offered to give it uh, with a 25% discount for Resiliency Ninja listeners. So stay tuned for that code at the end of the podcast. Yeah. And actually, just to, to piggyback on that statement, um, we do charge our speakers $100 a year to be one of our members. And the goal there is to make sure that our members are committed to being speakers. It's uh, they're going to fill out their profile. They're going to respond to the event managers who come in and ask them for uh, to speak at their conferences. They aren't going to just you know ignore those things. Right. They are also going to update their profiles and their contact information and anything else every year. Which is so important to have it up to date. And, you know, sometimes you have to update them every month, you know, <laughs> it like, uh, until, you know, tweak and tweak and tweak until it gets right. So uh, yep. 
that's that's great. So it's innovationwomen.com and uh, check the show notes for uh, the code. I'll just tell you the code now. You don't even have to wait till the end. It's NINJA, <laughs> NINJA in all caps and uh, go there and you can have 25% off. But again, it's a modest fee. I highly recommend it. And it's something that uh, is a business expense definitely worth investing if you're serious about becoming a speaker. And what I also love, Bobby, is your your, your thoughtful intro. And <laughs> so one day I'm sitting there. Now, the part that maybe you you don't even know this, but are, are my listeners who hear me on Tuesdays on Global News CFPL, and I do the lessons from the headlines. And one of the big headlines that day was about the gender gap. And how women are still paid, at least in Canada, and I don't know what it is over there in the U.S. where you are, Bobby, but it is 71 cents on the dollar per man. Yeah, we're, uh, I, I want to say the average is around 80, but it's still not good. Okay, so it's, we still have a long way to go. And one of the, part of the conversation that I had on air was that there was, uh, I had had a phone call and this has happened multiple times now from a group who said, Hey, we've put our entire program together and we realized it's all male. So we need a female. Do you want to speak for us? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure I'd love to. What's your budget? And I know who the men are at that, on that uh, roster. And I know what their speaking fee is. And they offered many, 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 many thousands of dollars less to be the token female. Ugh. 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 Exactly. So then, listeners, long way to tell you this story. This is what comes to my email inbox <laughs> from Bobby. The emails come in hot and heavy sometimes here at Innovation Women HQ. The all-male panel, the all-male event the all old white guy event. Let's just say we get a lot of forwarded emails with explanations consisting entirely of, Ugh. <laughs> and it goes on. Yeah, this, we, we get a lot. <laughs> this is still happening. How is it still happening, Bobby? Why are women not showing up on stages? You know, I mean, there's a lot of what we call perpetuation. Um, event managers will go to an event and they'll see a great speaker and they'll invite that person. So you get on the circuit. If you're a speaker, you end up getting more and more speaking engagements because you're speaking, you're visible, you're out there. So you get more invitations. And so the perpetuation problem or people on the circuit, uh, they happen to be male a lot of the times, or as we you know, affectionately look at it and say, oh, it's another all male, all pale, all stale panel. <laughs> all male, all stale, all pale. Yes. Well, and it's stale because it's the same people over and over again. And often the same message. Yes. And, you know, if you have the same person who's doing so many different panels and so many different speaking engagements, they all sound, you know, the stories are the same. So is there a way to solve this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not the first woman to sit in the audience and look up at the, uh, the stage and say, oh my God, they couldn't find a woman for that. Uh, there are lots of women who have had the same reaction I did and said, I have to do something and created a list. You know, if you do searching online, you will come up with, dozens and dozens of these lists you know it's like here here's a hundred women in healthcare who but could have been on that panel or here here's a hundred female tech founders that could have been on that panel the problem with this approach is those lists get dated very quickly and often they're pulled together by somebody who's like i know all these people and of course they'd be happy to speak and sometimes they aren't happy to speak. Sometimes they're busy. And, uh, you know, if you get those, those people on a list and maybe that company didn't make it, and maybe that person changed jobs. So what we did with Innovation Women was we created a business out of it. 
this has to be a sustainable, sustaining business. And uh, the way that we do it is a little bit different than a traditional speakers bureau because a traditional speakers bureau only handles people who get paid to speak. And that leaves out more than 90% of the speaking engagements. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of speaking engagements that are never going to be paying their speakers. You know, their conferences, technical conferences, or they're a local meetup. Did you know there's half a million meetups every month? Is there really? Yeah, it's, I mean, they're, and some of them are not like tiny little things. You know, they could have thousands of members and uh, the Boston Big Data Meetup, for example, has I think about 4,000 members and regularly holds events for 400, 500 attendees. And so those types of speaking engagements, would they wouldn't be paid. They, they probably are not paid because those types of speaking engagements have organizers who are often not professional organizers. You know, right. they, they've got another job, they're doing it for marketing purposes, or they're doing it for the community. And they don't have any budget for speakers because what they're doing is they're filling up a room with your potential customers. And they're like, oh, you want me to pay you too? You know, are you crazy? Right. <laughs> when, uh, when we started Innovation Women, we did a ton of research and more than half of the event managers we surveyed have zero budget for speakers. 42% only pay some speakers or they might have some travel money. And only 8% of event managers pay all or most of their speakers. That's staggering to me. Well, you know, it, it really speaks to kind of the different types of business models around events and conferences. Right. You know, it's like people don't think about it. You know, you, you see the very visible uh, motivational speakers or inspirational speakers or experiential speakers. You know, the people who get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for showing up. The celebrities, the, uh, the New York Times bestseller authors. And these are people who are getting paid big bucks to speak, but that's not the type of conference or event that a lot of, especially in the tech arena, that, that you're speaking at. Right. And I, I wonder how to navigate the fact that some conferences pay some of their speakers, but not all of them. Right. And, and I'm going to guess, yeah. I, I'm going to guess, and I hate to stereotype, <laughs> and I would suggest that the ones who are not getting paid are probably female and the ones who are getting paid are male. Well, unless you're uh, last year's RSA conference. Okay. Um, they had 20 keynote speakers and only one of them was a woman. And that one was Monica Lewinsky. Oh, and, um, you know, she was coming in and talking about her charity, which was anti-cyberbullying. And, you know, it's like great uh, type of, of cause that she was espousing. But my guess is, you know, her audience is not, um, she's not there to sell cybersecurity products. Right. So my guess is she was a paid speaker. Sure, she would have been. Yeah, Absolutely. because she's celebrity, right? right. So I right. think at that different level of celebrity, they're they're making the money, they're demanding the fees, yes. they're and and that's that takes a lot for somebody to, you know, achieve, right? You've yeah. got to you've got to achieve something. You have to be you have to be a leader. You have to be the acknowledged person in your industry. You have to have had a special unique experience to be able to be one of those speakers who commands being paid right and you probably turned it into a business or it's probably more than half of your income right For uh, sure. and you know it's it's a, it's i always tell people it's like okay these are the people who have brainwashed the rest of us you know and if you think about it it's the media it's all the other conferences who 
basically put that person, whoever they are, up on a pedestal and say, that is the person that we want. That's the acknowledged expert. That's the acknowledged industry leader. That's the person that we all want to be. And it takes a while to get there. It does take a while to get there. And I wanted just for the listeners here, because I... I want to be sure that we're not beating uh, like it just and I know it goes without saying but we're not beating up men who are successful in the business. Nope. And we want to add women into the equation in a more robust way and a more frequent way. And yeah. I so a couple of things happened along the same time of the news story came out I was on the radio talking about the issue you sent the email and just about the same time on Instagram there was a fellow who was on the list of the top 20 or top 25 speakers of 2018, the most frequently booked. Yeah. And on that list was only one woman and it was Mel Robbins, who I am just like, I'm a fan girl of like going to call it out there. Mel Robbins, yeah. if ever you want to be on my resiliency ninja podcast, you are a welcome guest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I admire her so well because she has played the game. And she has succeeded and she has changed lives because of it. And now her career has blown up, but she was the only one. And so here's what's happened. So that's why I'm bringing up the male side is Seth, the guy who was on the list, didn't celebrate it because he didn't know how to deal with the fact that there was only one woman on the list. Like the man's asking, do I need to feel guilty? Do, how can I help change this? What what can be done? And my response to him was, you know, the the men who are doing really well need to, or they don't need to do anything, but come and mentor us, like mentor us, help us to figure out how the game is to be played. And it, you actually said one of the things you've written uh, in in my notes is women are also frequently in the dark about how the game, the speaking game, is played, so they can be at a disadvantage there too. Yeah. So what does that mean? I think part of it is not realizing which types of events pay. Okay. When people get paid. Um, I, I will raise my hand and say several years ago, I was speaking at a conference and I was waiting backstage with the panelists that I was on a panel with who all happened to be male. And I heard one of the other panelists ask, uh, I think it was the moderator, where do we submit our expense report? And the moderator told him, you, ex you submit it at the same time uh, to the same person who's going to write out the check for the honorariums. And I'm sitting there going, I paid for my own you know, hotel room. I drove myself up here. It never occurred to me to ask if there was a budget for expenses and honorariums, just didn't do it, just assumed. So never assume there is absolutely zero correlation between the size of an event, the um, richness of an event and who pays and who doesn't. Because you get events like CES where absolutely nobody is paid. And, you know, CES is massive. It's huge. It's gigantic. And, you know, they're making damn good money. And you get a small local conference like the one I was at or, I mean, I always point out the Cape Cod Writers Association who do fabulous events if you're a writer. And they pay all of their speakers and they put them up for the weekend on Cape Cod in August. Yay. And they treat their, speak their speakers every single one of us with respect and so tiny tiny little organization but you know making sure that they pay all the speakers and is it just a matter of being willing to ask the question and knowing to ask the question i think that's part of it but it's also understanding the different types of conferences and events understanding the different business models you are never going to get paid at an event that doesn't have the right business model. For example, you're not going to get paid at an event that is a free marketing event where nobody's making money on it. You know, 
meetups are a great example. You know, right. for the for the most part, there is no way that you know they're going to be paying you when they're not selling tickets. If you are speaking, uh, looking at speaking opportunities at universities, you know, ten to one, the student organization uh, or classes probably don't have a budget for speakers. But if you look at some of the big sponsored speaker series, they just might. They probably have somebody who gave the college uh, a chunk of money and said, put on a speaker series in this area. And then you have to look at who else they've brought in. So uh, say a college gets $10,000, put on a speaker series that college can go off and get themselves 10 $1,000 speakers, or they can get one speaker and pay that one speaker $10,000. So you have to look at kind of where the money's coming from, what the value is to the organization, and what the value is to you. If there's an audience full of your customers, you are probably not getting paid. The organizer is going to look at that and say, I assembled this group of customers for you. I've spent all my time marketing to this group of customers for you. You know, the value for you is being on stage. So think about who is making money off you speaking and where the value is. And also, don't think about it just in terms of money. There may be other value for you. Uh, you may be able to sell your books. You may be able to sell workshops. Uh, I was out at the IEEE Women in International Leadership Conference a few years ago, and we had a number of innovation women speakers there. They do not pay their speakers at that conference. But I watched one of our speakers stand up after she had knocked it out of the park and hand out business cards to businesses who came up and said, what's it going to take to get you to do that presentation at my company? Oh, wow. Not yeah, great. Big value for her. And do you find that there are, is it, is it just a matter of knowing who's in the audience, who, who your ideal prospect is, and then making that decision? Do you feel like sometimes women are less likely to say yes and not see that potential upside because of perhaps everything else they have going on in their life? Yeah. And I think women actually turn down speaking opportunities because all the other things that are going on in their lives. Um, the reality is more women work part-time, more women work for smaller companies, more women found smaller companies, and women are still more likely to be responsible for home and kids. You know, it's hard to be the breakfast keynote if uh, you have to drop little Johnny at the bus at 8 a.m. Right. I guess it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 Somebody's going to be late. <laughs> right. Yes. Or you've got to figure out how can I, I, I guess it would take a lot more effort to figure out who could take Johnny to school so I can still do this and invest in my career, but what are the alternatives, right? Yeah, is, and, and you also get uh, uh, the smaller companies, the working part-time, it's hard to be out of the office for a full day if you only work three days a week. Right. You know, and, and a smaller company, there might not be anybody to pick up your job if you're out all day. And the smaller companies might not have the money to send you someplace. A lot of these conferences are not paying for speakers because they assume that your employer is paying you. Right. You're working for IBM. Why am I, my little conference going to pay you? IBM is going to pay you just fine. Thank you very much. Right. Which is very different than say my business model, which is where I'm going into companies and doing a speech yes. to, to go and help their teams become more resilient in the workplace. Like there's actually an effort there, right? That there's nobody else to pay me if yeah. <laughs> clients don't, or lots of people who earn their living as a speaker. And, and I, I also think that there's a difference in the language. You know, you may say you're a speaker, but I might call you an educator and, I'm be, and be very happy to pay for your workshop, but not to pay for a speech. Interesting. Hmm. It's all in the positioning. Right. Yes. Yes. And if it's a team day versus it's a, uh, you know, a public event or something yep. that they're just sponsoring, all of those pieces go to it. 
if you were to say to women who are just getting started, actually, no, let me ask you this question, man or women, woman, the <laughs> <laughs> same challenges getting started as a speaker? Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of, uh, of work that women need to do on just asking the questions, you know, understand who in your industry is out there working the same side of the street that you're working, who gets paid, who doesn't get paid and watch where the people who get paid go. Oh, I love that. That's great. And it, it's sometimes hard. Like I know, cause I've mentored a lot of people through this industry, just as you have. And it, it can be difficult. I think when somebody's new or newer, they often are looking to the Mel Robbins yes. right, of the world and trying to emulate her. That's going to be a long time coming. It is. <laughs> For any of us. <laughs> yes, because like I've talked to a bureau owner, right? And he said, you remind me of Mel Robbins when she started. And he said, I remember the days when she wasn't getting booked. Right. Like, and she was the $5,7,500 speaker and she wasn't famous. Right. She was just out there like everybody else. And then it broke for her. Yeah. Right. Which is why I have so much respect for her. Cause she did, she did the, the, the lag time, right? Like she worked her tail off to get there. Yeah. And, and, it's, a, and it's a sales job. It's absolutely a sales job. It's, it's following up, it's contacting people, it's going back and forth, you know, with somebody and I admit, you know, early on when I started, I spent a huge amount of time and still do doing free speeches. And these are speeches and presentations that I'm giving to promote innovation women. I mean, we've got 1500 speakers in there. And so I'm out constantly marketing innovation women as a whole, because I want event managers to come and book our speakers. And by the way, our speakers have a choice they can put on their profile, they always get paid, they sometimes get paid but make exceptions, uh, everything's negotiable, they usually get paid, um, or um, they speak primarily for visibility for themselves and their companies. Okay. So okay. a whole bunch of options, and you know, if for me it says I sometimes get paid, and my sometimes is if you're expecting me to fly cross country and give up a couple of days at work, there's probably going to have to be some compensation. If it's down the street, a good cause or good visibility for innovation women as a whole, you bet I'm showing up with bells on. So I love this, that you're going out, you're, you're sharing the message about innovation women, and we are going to help you as best we can to get that, that <laughs> word out there with this Resiliency Ninja podcast. And you're doing that. What's the reaction on the other end? Can you take us into the meeting planner's mind when they're sitting around the table? Is finding women and putting them on the agenda a priority up front? Is it happening too late? Is it something that just sort of happens? Like, Take us into that other side if you have a glimpse. Yeah, and we, we spend a huge amount of time with our event managers. Um, a lot of them it isn't so much they're concerned about the speakers, it's they're concerned about the audience. So they are concerned with butts in seats. They're concerned with selling tickets. They're concerned with holding a conference without the people that they see as the acknowledged leader in the industry. Okay. You know, it would be like holding an event, uh, holding a circus without the High Wire Act is the way they look at this. And so they've got a limited number of slots to fill and they feel like they have to have that star performer and that star performer has been built up over the years and that star performer is probably a guy. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, whoa, you're asking me to not invite Joe. I don't care if you invite Joe or not, quite frankly. I'm, I'm assuming that you're probably going to invite Joe, Joe, but I want you to invite Joan too. And so, you know, that's, that's a, a thing that we have to deal with is that they have limited number of slots and we're asking them to add in what they see as new people. And often those new people are people that 
are might be unknown to them. It's one of the reasons we suggest that our speakers add a video. And it doesn't have to be some fancy video with quotes and music and you on stage with your little TEDx microphone. It could just be a video of you doing a presentation and your friend, you know, in the front row with the iPhone. But it shows an event manager your style and it shows that you can put a sentence together. It shows that you're not wooden or a soft talker. You know, there's all these things that event managers want to know. Their concern is putting on a good show. And do you think that, oh boy, there's so many pieces there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I, I love getting to have this conversation. I hope people are, are loving hearing it because it's such an important conversation and I often have it behind the scenes, but now we're here we are out in the open. A, a couple things have come up from feedback from other people not about me as a speaker i mean just the industry and how do we yeah. do this and so one of my my dear friends who's very experienced in the industry this is her position and tell me if you agree or let, let's use it as a, a jumping off point she said when we grew up now she's in her 50s yeah she said, when we grew up we had predominantly male voices of authority the principal of the school the minister at the church, the priest, the uh, newscaster was predominantly on the six o'clock news was predominantly male. All of like our, our political leaders. So when we were younger, we heard the male voice in positions of power. Mm -hmm. And she said, I believe her, her approach is I believe that we instinctively are still drawn to that voice of power, a male's voice because of that from the, the, you know, our early days of embedding and that maybe as we're having more females in leadership roles, as we're having more female politicians, more principal senior managers who are female, that will, that, that embeddedness of the male voice will change. Agree, disagree, discuss partially um right. and i think there's you know there's definitely uh, a grain of truth in that um you know but we all had a mom and a dad right you know and at, at least way back somewhere maybe there's two moms two dads i don't know uh but uh i think that partly positions of authority um you know, you get the basic media stuff. Uh, people have done tons of research on who gets quoted. And this is where I, I usually talk about we're all brainwashed. Okay. We're all brainwashed to believe that the leader and the positions of authority are male and white and usually older. And that is because traditionally they often were so. At the same time, you know, we, uh, I think there's been enough focus on this as an issue that intellectually we should be able to get past this. Right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this we is, should. This is not a surprise. This is, this is really not um, something that is unknown. We are talking about this a lot. And especially in the era of Me Too and women's equality and, you know, all of the research that's been done, this is not a secret. You know, take a little extra time and, and gender balance your team, gender balance your panel, gender balance the speaking slate at your event. It takes a little bit of effort. But you know what? Tools like Innovation Women... I talk to event managers who tell me that using our tool, because you can go in, you can search by topic, you can search by location, you can search by industry, the person's contact is right there, you push a button, you send it to them, their headshot is there, their bio is there, they're like, oh my God, you just cut my time in like a tenth. So balancing it out on the other side, there are tools, and it's not just Innovation Women, there are other tools as well that allow you to do something that's faster. So it should balance out in the end. Right. 
Okay. I, I love it. And I think this has been great advice for people who are in the industry who want to continue to uh, get their, their own brand. It's, uh, speaking is a wonderful way to build your brand as a whole. One of the things, I, I know we spent a lot of time talking about this topic, which was important. And there are some other things that you've done that I, I just want to highlight that I think are really, really cool. Uh, so I mentioned the one of the 10 Bostonians who have done the most for the startup community. I think <laughs> that that's a pretty cool honor and a way to go Boston for even acknowledging that. I think that's cool. But the marketing Sherpa viral campaign of the year, got to tell us what that was about. You're in the Boston's 50 on fire, the PR news game changer, like journal women to watch by Boston business. So there's a lot of stuff. Let's talk about you. <laughs> what have you yeah, done? So, you do all this? <laughs> so, I mean, Innovation Women is obviously, you know, mission driven. Uh, I own three companies. One of them is a PR and marketing firm, Carlton PR and Marketing. And, and that's what I consider my day job. That's how I make an actual living. Okay. And 10 years ago, I started something called Innovation Nights or Mass Innovation Nights in the Boston area. And it's a social media powered new product showcase. Every month we gather together at least 10 new products and we get the social media community come out and blog and tweet and post video and pictures. So in a single night, we can generate a lot of visibility for those local companies. We've helped launch over 1200 new products in the last 10 years. And those companies have gotten more than $3 billion in funding. And so that was a lot of the early work I did around creating community and bringing people together to support local entrepreneurs and small businesses. When you see and you mentor small businesses, because uh, you know my passion is helping people become resilient every day. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the biggest challenges and maybe a story of someone who, who you really noticed mastered that resilience and didn't let those obstacles get them off their path? Yeah, gosh, you know, building a team, time management, um, focus, says the woman with three companies. Uh, <laughs> Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> Look, a chicken. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of people out there with um, products that are solution, uh, solutions in need of a problem. Um, I love it when people see a problem and solve it, uh, not the other way around. <laughs> Ooh, that's great. Um, that's- but uh, I, do, I do think that building a team is the most important thing you, you can do. So having people that support you, whether it's an extended team of of service people who support you or an internal team of teammates. Right. And managing all those dynamics and being sure the gaps are filled. And and if you are a squirrel person, having somebody who keeps the details on track. Oh yeah. I'm I'm totally, look a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and even with your newsletter, I would, uh, I would get, who who was it? It started with a P, uh, Pamela or who is it? Who's looking at the back end? Looking after the back end for your gathering all those events that you have. Oh, Patricia. Patricia, (laughs) Patricia. You mentioned her name earlier and I I had a little thought in my mind. Oh, she's got somebody who's doing all that data and that important detail work to help support and get the message out at Innovation Women. I think that's... Yeah. Oh, it's... I mean, Kumari is my uh, virtual assistant. Carolina is is focused on the partnerships. Uh, Mary Beth manages our webinar program and other things. Uh, and uh, and Kristen's running Innovation Nights. And I mean, it's you know, it's just it's a great team. Awesome, I love that. Uh- Here we are in the Resiliency Ninja Podcast, uh, talking with Bobby Carlton and. Now, Bobby, here's the thing. At the end of every one of my podcasts, I ask the five rapid fire questions that are not that fast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. A book that changed your life. Oh, and I'm like suddenly blanking like squirrel. Of course. That's why I I do this. You don't even know what the questions are. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, I had my book. Like, what was my book? (laughs) 
<laughs> if you're like me, you may read books though. Like I start them and then I never finish them. Oh, I'm, or, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good. Okay, uh, good. I get like squirreled halfway through, right? So I read the first part, I get a good nugget out of it and then I go to another book and then I come back to it and I, I can have three or four books on the go at any one time. And, and I'm like sitting here and going, what the hell? And it's like, oh, it's Groundswell. <laughs> oh, ground? Oh, I don't even know that book. Tell me more, please. So um, actually, I know the author, Josh Burnoff and Charlene Lee from Forrester Research did a book about, basically about the rise of social media. And for a long time PR person, social media was just a revelation. It's like, if you're focusing your entire career on managing the media and all of a sudden the media is not the way that you're going to get to your audience, it's like, wow, that's just blow me away. And Groundswell, I think, was one of the first books to really talk about the importance of social media and how we connected with people electronically. Beautiful. And I can see how that would have been pivotal for you, especially having such a deep rooted background in traditional PR. Yes. I, awesome. I still remember standing on a fax machine, faxing in my driver's license, going, okay, I'm getting this, you know, domain name for my company and having an absolute like cold sweat as I realized if I can do this, anyone can do it. And if anyone can do it, oh my God, the media is going to die. And what's going to happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And for the listeners who don't know what a fax machine is, <laughs> we used to send paper through a machine and it came out on the other side as a printed piece of paper. And it was the a cat's meow, as I recall, in the 90s. No, it wouldn't yep. have been the 90s. Was it 90s, oh. 80s, 90s, 80s? Well, so I first started using faxes in the 80s, uh, but this particular one was in the, in 94. When okay. The first, you know, one of the first uh, times that commercially you could get a website. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, okay. A time in your career when you pushed through fear. You know, 2008, the market uh, dropped, fell off a cliff, whatever. Uh, I was working for a startup at the time and all of a sudden no more job. My husband was a stay at home dad taking care of two kids and it was all on me. And I was absolutely paralyzed with fear. Like, what am I going to do? We've been working for a startup for three years, startup salary, very little in the way of savings. And I've got a, a non-working spouse and two kids. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And that is when I, went out on my own, uh, started my first company. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're rolling in it now, but we do okay. You made it. You're still here. This is a lot of years later. Yep. Kids didn't starve. That's the big goal. Yeah. Well, I suspect that that's very important. <laughs> you know, that's a good, a good start to every day, right? You know? Yeah. They get hangry if you don't feed them. Yes. I can imagine. Absolutely. If you could change one thing people do on social media, what would that thing be? Oh, if I could change one thing, it's like talking about themselves. Okay. Like stop talking about yourself. Talk about other things. So how do you balance that? Because there's also the, you've got to, um, you know, share, you, you've got to educate people on what you do and what you have to offer. Sure, but it's balanced. You said right. the exact words. It's just I look at some people and it's like me, 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 me. It's like okay, there's more to this world about than you. If you want to still talk about yourself, tell me where you fit in the world. Tell me about the other things that are happening in the world. Don't just talk about yourself. Okay, good, fair enough. Uh, number four, your worst or your best networking story <laughs> so uh through mass innovation nights we've been doing mass innovation nights events since 2009 actually april 2009 and uh i'm 
I'm the MC. I mean, you know, and at first, oh, it was painful to watch me. I mean, I like the first event sweated through my blouse and a jacket. I was so nervous. And I've gotten better over time. Thank goodness. I'm actually like kind of an in-demand speaker now, believe it or not. But those early videos are just horrendously painful to watch. <laughs> and you know, I'm standing up in front of a, a good sized crowd. I mean, our events can attract 300, 400, 700, 1,000 people. And I'm the MC. So everybody knows my name. And it's, you know, it's an unusual name for a woman. So one night after an event, I'm in Boston. I got on the tee to go home. And the first train I get on, you know, like a bunch of people run on after me and a bunch of them kind of turned to me and go, Hey, Bobby, how are you? And good, good. How's it going? So next stop, some of them get off. Somebody else gets on. They're like, Hey, Bobby, how's it going? Good, good. I have no idea who these people are, but they know who I am. So this continued for six stops. Every single stop, people would get off and another group would get on and people would be like, Bobby. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? I mean, everybody on the train car is looking at me. Finally, <laughs> Boston like, is not like that small a town, right? That, that, no, okay. No, I, I guess it's not New York, but it's Boston, you know. So finally, I'm getting off. And I'm getting off in Kendall Square, which is, you know, startup Mecca. And this guy gets off with me. He goes, I have no idea who you are, but I feel like I should know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're obviously very popular with all these people. Well, with the startup community, I mean, if you, you know, in one city help launch 1,200 of them and yeah. you run a monthly event with hundreds of people, it's, you know, it's going to put you out there. I do want to explore just a little bit the story of you being scared to speak. Yeah. Um, I mean, I spent my early career putting other people on stage. It was not a comfort area for me. And it's still is not a place I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, and, uh, it's funny. I gave birth to one introvert, and one extrovert and the extrovert, it, like our whole family makes him crazy. Cause my husband's also an introvert <laughs> and my poor older son, who is like, you know, out there all the time. He's like, it's so great freaking quiet in this house. We're like, yeah, it was. <laughs> until you came along. But no, I'm not a natural speaker. Um, I've gotten much better with practice. And I think that even introverts, you know, should be able to speak in public. It may take us more practice. We may have to go off and find our little forest after it's all over to have a little bit of alone time. But if you look at what the definition is of an introvert, it's somebody who recovers by being alone. Right. It's not that you are less competent. It is not that you are less um, of, a, of a person or an employee or a speaker. There are plenty of great introverts out there who are, who are great speakers. And it's just, you know, we might be spending a little more time thinking things through than an extrovert who may just be out there and blurting things out. Right. And actually, so when I do my Myers-Briggs testing or, you know, whatever, all those different tests that you can do, I'm right in the middle and people are shocked by that. Yeah. I actually think the introvert can be very well served by being on stage. Mm -hmm. It's more the being in the midst of the 300 person crowd that can be more exhausting. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm like a screaming introvert. I'm really very far over on the wow. scale. Okay. And um, yet I don't see that. And you're right. It's where you get your energy from. Yep. And, you know, like after a crowded night, I'm, I'm done. I'm a little puddle in the corner. Uh, I have to have a little bit of alone time. But I can do the presentations. I can do the MC stuff. I can make a little bit of fool of myself. I'm really good at that part. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's not public speaking itself is, is a learned behavior and anybody can learn it. Yeah, exactly. Right. You just got to stick through the nerves at the beginning days. Yep. 
Uh, the last of the five not-so-fast questions. You see why they become not-so-fast? Because I ask other mm -hmm. questions, right? Uh, but the favorite empowering quote. I can't, I can't uh, give it to you exactly, but uh, it keeps coming back to me when people talk about Warren Buffett in public speaking. Like, I will have multiple people send it to me on a regular basis. And I think he's used it multiple times, which is why it keeps coming up slightly differently every time. But it's basically, you know, how can you increase your, your value? And you can, he's, his quote is something around, along the lines of, you can increase your value by 50% just by focusing on public speaking. Ooh. I actually hadn't heard that before. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, he widely, he widely acknowledges that he was a terrible public speaker. He was scared to death of public speaking. He gives a lot of credit to the Dale Carnegie courses. He went off and took them. And uh, he talks a lot about how communication and public speaking are among the more valuable traits in an employee. Oh, wow. Awesome. Okay. So just tell our listeners where they can reach you, please. Sure. So I am very easy to find uh, as somebody who does uh, extensive social media and search engine optimization and marketing. So Bobby Carlton, that's B-O-B-B-I-E Carlton, uh, Bobby C on Twitter. And for Innovation Women, it's Women Inno, I-N-N-O on Twitter. But you can find all of that on innovationwomen.com. Great. And don't forget, if you would like to join it, and I highly encourage you to, if you are someone who is building your platform speaking and you're female, please go and use the code NINJA, all caps, to get 25% off of that uh, you know, nominal fee of $100 a year, just uh, that will show that you are serious. And uh, let Bobby and I know when you've signed up so we can uh, be aware of your profile and have a look at that and support you to become uh, more of a speaker. Because I think it really does come down to, we've all got to get out there and support others. Uh, I, I'm a member of an organization called the NSA, National Speakers Association in Canada. It's called CAPS, Canadian Ooh. Association of Professional Speakers. and the foundational principle of it was if we build the speaking business, there's a bigger pie and we all get a bigger piece. And so we're not competitors. We may be looking for the same event, but a lot of events can't bring you back year over year over year. So you, it's great to have colleagues who you can, you can promote, right? Wouldn't you say, Bobby? Absolutely. Referrals are fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for our chit chat. I have enjoyed hearing your wisdom and your insights, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Uh, do not forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and uh, leave a review. Let us know in the comments something you took out of this. And of course, if you know someone who needs to hear what we've been chatting about, please share this with them. Uh, again, I'm Allison Graham with the Resiliency Ninja Podcast. You can find me and all of the uh, contact information for Bobby at r-ninja.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.